On today's episode, we welcome poet and editor Adri Rose to talk about the launch of a brand spanking new chapbook publisher called Nine Syllables Press. Welcome to episode 50 of The Chapbook. I'm your co-host, Noah Stetzer. Episode 50? That's bananas. The big 5-0. <laughs> hey, I'm Ross White. I'm Noah's co-host. We are the directors and editors at Bull City Press. We publish chapbooks, occasionally full-length books of poetry, fiction, and nonfiction. And gosh darn it, we dig the chapbook. <laughs> we started this podcast to celebrate our love of chapbooks, to go behind the scenes of the publishing process, and to highlight the folks who write chapbooks, and like today, the folks who make chapbooks. So Ross, it's episode 50. And did you, do you know what the, the gift for the 50th anniversary is? The 50th anniversary gift is the chance to talk to the editor of a brand new chapbook press <laughs> or it's silver. The chance to interview a new <laughs> chapbook press editor is the contemporary gift. <laughs> but the classic gift is you're very close is gold, not silver. Gold. Okay. I just feel like my grandfather got my grandmother an interview with a brand new chapbook press when they had their 50th anniversary. It's true. It, it is, <laughs> it is quasi traditional. <laughs> Let's bio this fantastic guest up. Adri Rose has been published in such places as poets.org, night Heron barks, Nimrod international journal, and more. Her work has won a number of awards, including the 2022 and Bradstreet prize, the Mary Augustus Jordan prize, and the Elizabeth Babcock Poetry Prize. She is the Tamas Day Editorial Fellow and Editor at Nine Syllables Press, a brand new chapbook press in collaboration with the Butel Day Poetry Center at Smith College. Check out our show notes for a full biography. Welcome to the chapbook, Adri Rose. Hi, guys. Thank you. It's so great to be here. We are so glad to have you. It's October. It's spooky season. Mm, Halloween yeah. is just a few weeks away now. And you work at the Butel Day Poetry Center. <laughs> I mean, that just seems perfect for October. I had not thought about that yet, Ross, but you are correct. There's just a lot of puns waiting to happen. <laughs> Is the Poetry Center not haunted? Well, I mean, you know, we got a painting of Sylvia Plath up on the wall. I, I don't think I would say that we're not haunted. <laughs> well, Sylvia Plath has been a big force behind Nine Syllables Press, the chapbook press that you're starting over there. Tell us a little bit about your relationship to the ghost of Sylvia Plath. Ooh, spooky question. I mean, Sylvia Plath is part of the reason that I think I came to Smith College, like a lot of people, uh, not the number one reason, but there's such an incredible legacy of poets and writers and, you know, other amazing women at Smith College. And getting to walk into the Poetry Center and see her on the wall and, you know, think about that incredible tradition was, was a huge draw for me. And, you know, her words as well as her presence definitely continue to have a lot of influence at Smith and beyond. And at Nine Syllables Press, our name comes from one of her poems, metaphors, and we're excited to work with a lot of poets in a lot of different traditions, but we definitely always have Sylvia you know, somewhere, somewhere in the peanut gallery, working side by side with us in a spooky ghost way. 
I heard her spooky ghost will in fact be making all final editorial decisions. (laughs) We can hope so. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so, okay. The reason we wanted to have you on Adri is that we have been following your journey in setting up a brand new chapbook press. That's part of an institution that's been around for quite some time. Tell us a little bit about the, the Genesis. Talk about the formation of this idea in your brain and how you went about shooting this huge shot. <laughs> Great question. I was at Smith College finishing my bachelor's degree. I was there as an Ada Comstock Scholar, which is a program for older students, non-traditional age students who come back to finish their degrees. And so, you know, writing a lot of essays, reading a lot of books having the incredible privilege to be part of the poetry concentration program at Smith College. There is a poetry center, which is just an amazing, amazing resource. So I got to spend time with a lot of really incredible poets like Ellen Duray Watson and Tiana Clark and uh, Matt Donovan, who runs the poetry center, and got to be part of classes that were talking about sort of like the business of being a poet, as well as the craft of how to actually write poetry and revise, revise, revise forever and ever and ever, as important as that is too. So I was definitely thinking about, you know, and as an older student was thinking about, you know, what's life after Smith going to be like? What's, What's the life of poetry in the world other than just me writing my own poems and hopefully someday getting to share those poems with an audience? But really, what does it mean to be a poet in the world? What does it mean to be a part of the poetry community? And while I was at Smith, when you're in the poetry concentration, you have to do several internships to have sort of like a practical applied experience in the poetry world. So my first one was super lucky. I got to work with Perugia Press, which is a small press based in Florence, Massachusetts, that publishes a first or second book of poetry by a woman, anyone identifying as female. And I worked with the director there. And one of the many fun jobs that I got to do was that I had to compile the statistics for how many of the winners of various illustrious prizes, literary prizes, had been women since the start of those prizes. So the Pulitzer, the Nobel Prize, National Book Credits Circle Award, and Poet Laureates of the United States. And, you know, I... uh, wasn't born yesterday. I know that there is sexism in the US and around the world. I know that gender disparity exists in literature as well as other places. But compiling those statistics and then putting together those numbers was still so shocking and so horrifying. I mean, it was so much worse than I thought it was. And those numbers have changed. You know, if you look at the last, if you look at just the last 10 years, It looks very different than looking at the prize as a whole, of course, but it's still pretty bad. Like it's just, it's just atrocious. So that really brought home to me just how incredibly huge that gap is and how real the need for spaces and resources for marginalized groups who have not had as much opportunity to publish are, you know, you can't get the Pulitzer if you haven't even been able to get your poetry or your fiction or whatever into a lit mag, much less publish a collection. I also had a friend who works with the Vita Count, which does really similar work tracking 
who's getting published in top places. So it just started to really enter my awareness in this very loud, visceral way. I also started encountering some really incredible chapbooks and just really starting to understand how much that form has changed in the last years, how many more opportunities there are with it, what a resurgence there is and an interest in it beyond just like, oh, this is this little thing that I'm going to do and then I'll make my real book, which was really exciting to me. And I got to take a class with the illustrious Barry Moser, who is an incredible illustrator and bookmaker and printmaker, and just got to like really get into the nitty gritty of what it means to make books and the art of making books and got to really geek out on that. So all of those things came together in my senior year, along with knowing that in a huge stroke of luck and serendipity, the Poetry Center at Smith received this very generous endowment from a former alum who was also an Ada Comstock scholar, whose name is Tannis Day. So she gave a very generous gift to the Poetry Center. And I knew that some of that money was earmarked for specific projects, but some of it was earmarked just for like poetry stuff, basically. And so I had this crazy idea that maybe we should use some of that poetry stuff money to create a chapbook press. And as I started poking around and thinking about it a little bit more, I looked around and I realized that none of the seven sisters, so none of the historic women's colleges in the US, not a single one has a press attached to them, which is the thing that a lot of colleges and universities have. And so again, I just came back to that idea of, well, wait, if we have this huge gap and we have these institutions who are very invested in closing that gender equity gap in a whole wide variety of spaces, right, and platforms and fields, here's this major opportunity that has been overlooked somehow. And we have these incredible resources already at Smith. We have this printmaking studio with Barry Moser at the helm. I mean, it's just like a dream, right? And how do we make sure that we're utilizing those resources. We have the poetry concentration. We have something called the book studies concentration at Smith also, where they're literally just like geeking out about books and you know being interested in making books. How do we use what's already there and then just push it forward a little bit? And now we have a way to actually put more books into the world, actually give people a space where they get another opportunity to get published. That's my really long answer <laughs> to your question. <laughs> well, it's it's very exciting, right? There's there's sort of an an open vista feel to the direction that you're headed in. I wonder if you'd be willing to share, understanding that everything is still in the oven, could you share a little bit with our listeners the kinds of things Nine Syllables Press is going to be about? Yeah, great question. So our hope and intention is to you know, starting out. Um, <laughs> right. So we're, we're in partnership with the Boutelle Day Poetry Center at Smith, an incredible place to get to incubate this idea and get, get started and continue. So with the Poetry Center and in collaboration with the book studies folks at Smith that I mentioned, our hope is to do one to two chapbook contests a year. And those contests will be with the intention of publishing and promoting poets who identify as female, BIPOC poets, and trans and LGBTQIA plus poets. 
we are hoping and planning that some of those contests will be specifically geared towards some of those different populations to create a space where it's really clear that our intention is to specifically publish those folks. And yeah, I mean, we want to make some books. We want to get them out in the world. And our plan is to include students in that process in some really hands-on, tactile ways. I can't say a ton about that because it is so much in the work still, and we're still getting everything approved and all our boxes checked. But the intention of the concentration programs at Smith is, like I said, to give students really cross-disciplinary experience and experience sort of like in a hands-on way in professional fields. And so we're really excited to, as much as possible, engage students and give students some professional practice in what it means to be part of a press that's being run. Well, understanding that a lot of things are still in the works, one thing that has always been front and center and doesn't sound like it's up for revision is that the chapbook as a format will be central to Nine Syllables Press. And I'm, and you mentioned this earlier. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about how and why that format is sort of central to the whole idea of Nine Syllables and, and your your impetus to put that in the middle of this project? Yeah, great question. So I love chapbooks. I love small things. (laughs) (laughs) My youngest child would say, I mean, he particularly loves tiny things. Like if he were to start a press, he would start a press with like matchbook sized books, right? So I'm not quite that extreme, but I love small things. This is probably a really controversial opinion. But I think there are a lot of full-length books that should have been chapbooks. Like, they just really could have been edited a lot more. <laughs> hot take, listeners. We got a hot take. Yeah, yeah. Name them, Adrian. I'm not going yeah, yeah. to name names. No, 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 no. All out some authors. Definitely not. I'm just saying. For me, one of the joys of poetry is really about compression, right? And about the surprise and the excitement that you can get with being really compressed and the kind of leaps that you can take. I love books as objects themselves. I love the potential for creating really cool art objects with the press and in the world. And I like the opportunity to be part of this sort of expansion of the chapbook field. You know, I think we feel like we really know what full links are and we know what full links can do, but I think chapbooks are, they're a little bit of an unknown, you know, they're kind of the underdog of the poetry world. People who are into them are really into them, as y'all know, running this podcast. (laughs) But a lot of people either just haven't thought about them or have only thought about them in a really limited way. And so it's more exciting to be part of something where it is sort of more wide open because you know, it hasn't been nailed down yet. Like, this is what this thing is. Sure, sure. Like, the, the world is your oyster with this format. That's how I feel. So so listen, we want to switch over to our five-question quick round, give listeners a chance to learn just a little bit more about you. So if you're ready, I'm going to go ahead and ask you question number one. Okay. So if you could instantly master one hobby, like in a snap of your fingers, if you could instantly master one hobby, what would it be? Being able to speak every language. Oh, good one. Question number two. Which celebrity would play Sylvia Plath in the TV movie about Nine Syllables Press? And which celebrity (laughs) would play you? Oh, yeah. Double billing. Oh, the problem with this question is that it requires me to know celebrity names, which... (laughs) 
Ah, yeah, I'm going to fail you on this one. It was a trick question. The correct answer for both was Nicole Kidman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool role. She's showing off that range. I love it. Yeah, great. <laughs> question number three. Tell us about a chapbook you think everyone should read. Ooh, great. I love this question. So a chapbook that I think everyone should read is Paper and Stick by Priscilla Washington. It's out from Tram Editions. And it is just beautiful and exciting and doing some really cool things with form and doing really cool things with sort of like archival found text. Question number four, what is one of your favorite indie bookstores? Mm. I love Broadside Books in Northampton. It's just like such a classic, like stuff's just crammed in every corner. You never know when a cat puzzle is going to fall on you from the ceiling. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> great poetry section. Question number five, Adri, listeners, how can they find you online? They can find me at adrirose.com and they can find Nine Syllables Press very soon. Not quite yet, but in the coming weeks, uh, we'll be on Twitter and Instagram and also have a website, which will just be at Nine Syllables Press. Easy peasy. Thanks so much, Adri. And listeners, when those social media sites and websites go live, we will absolutely get them into the show notes and we'll put them up along with the social posts that go along with today's episode. Today, we've been so lucky to talk with Adri Rose, poetry and editor of Nine Syllables Press. Check out today's show notes to find links to items that came up during our conversation. And Ross, wait a minute. What am I forgetting? You, you know, the end is nigh. I thought I felt like a chill. Is there like a yeah. chill? <laughs> this is our last episode of season two. Right. Wrapping today. Yeah. There's like corrugated boxes everywhere. We got to pack everything up, put it in the attic and bring down the Halloween decorations. My mouth is going into storage. I put that away <laughs> when we're not doing the podcast. I don't speak for months and months. I have to put my, my wrench away where I try to like <laughs> squeeze in terrible metaphors. <laughs> We'll be back for a season three, but listen, we've had hundreds of millions of listeners to season two of the chat book. Thank you for making us more loved across the world than Joe Rogan. We appreciated <laughs> that so very much. And we're still waiting for our hundreds of millions of dollars, Spotify. <laughs> we're waiting. And a big thank you to all of the guests who've joined us in season two, the folks who were so generous to send in audio clips from their new publications, particularly shout out to some upcoming potential guests and presses who've reached out to us just in the past couple of weeks and days. You've given us a lot to think about. We're really excited to put the, the plans together for season three. And season three will be out before 2028. We're guaranteeing that right now. <laughs> Well, this is the back half of 2028. <laughs> yeah. You can stay up to date with me and Noah on Twitter and Instagram at Bull City Press. You can visit BullCityPress.com or you can find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Ross White. And I'm semi sort of on Twitter. I'm at DC Noah. If you have a moment, let us know what you think. Rate us five stars and send in those ideas and questions and keep sending in your suggestions to our email at chatbook at BullCityPress.com. This episode of The Chatbook was produced by Noah Stetzer and edited by Molly Hart. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in season three. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.